Today's Locked on Giants podcast episode is brought to you in part by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Go to stathero.com slash locked on for 300% back on your first play. are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and it is Wednesday, July 9th, and we are doing a Mandatory mini camp summary. I promised you a summary that I would do after each mini camp practice. And we're going to kick, kick things off on this show with a summary of day one of the mandatory mini camp that is coming up. But first, some sad news from the Giants. Jim Fossil, who was the 1997 NFL Coach of the Year, also brought the Giants to their third Super Bowl, an unsuccessful Super Bowl, unfortunately, but uh, a Super Bowl of birth nonetheless. He passed away Monday night out near the Las Vegas area. Um, Fossil was taken to the hospital after having some chest pains, and I believe, um, according to the article that appeared in the Los Angeles Times, they, they tried to... Um, to work on him and he was under uh, sedation and unfortunately they lost him. And Jim was 71 years old, really a good guy. And, you know, I want to start the show off if I could talking a little bit about Jim Fossil, because I did cover the team when Jim Fossil was there. um, And I have quite a number of fond memories, some of which I can't share with you, but some of which I can. And one memory in particular that I think pretty much sum- summarizes what kind of man Jim Fossil was um, is a a chance encounter that I had with him when I uh, was covering the team. I was fairly new back in, in the day when Jim Fossil was on, you know, when he was hired. So 1997, he was hired. And I think I was, that was my first year or no, it might have been the year before I became full-time on the beat. But anyway, um, I had gone down to uh, to cover a Giants practice. Jim Fossil, by the way, was the last Giants head coach that would allow the media to watch the entire practice during the season. You know, the, the arrangement that he had with everybody was you could come in, you can watch the practice. You just couldn't write about what you saw. So the, he had a trusting relationship with members of the media back in the day. But anyway, I came down uh, to cover the practice one day. And I, I remember um, I was fr- I was kind of new at the time. I had done most of my coverage before that uh, offsite. But I came in and I got there late to the practice. I don't remember what time it was, but I remember I got there late. So um, this was in the old Giant Stadium. And what we had to do is we had to walk down the ramp to the tunnel and when you walk down the ramp and you made a left left-hand turn, um, you would pass the Giants locker room. And then if you kept walking, you would eventually hit the media workroom, which was, you know, about, I want to say, I don't know, 50 yards past the Giants locker room. So I get to the stadium and I I'm 
in a hurry, you know, and I'm absolutely uh, flustered because I'm running late and I hate running late because if you show up late, sometimes you don't necessarily get in or back then you don't get into the, uh, to the practice field if you show up late. But anyway, um, I ran into Fossil on my way in and, um, you know, he was coming out of the locker room. He was on his way to practice too. And I saw him and he saw me and he said, hello. And he came over to me and he, he said, hi, I'm Jim Fossil. And I said, oh, hi coach. You know, and I'm saying to myself, I know who you are, but you know, I wasn't going to say, oh, I know who you are. But I, I said to him, so hi coach. I'm, I'm Patricia Trainer. And, um, he, he goes, nice to meet you. He goes, um, so he, he asked me, who do I write for? Uh, and uh, we're making little small talk and everything like that. So I, you know, I didn't want to be rude because I wanted to drop my stuff off in the media workroom and then run back out to practice. So I'm standing there and we're, we're, we're chit-chatting a little bit at, at the time. And, you know, I told him who I wrote for and everything. And and uh, he couldn't have been nicer. And I, and I, I, I made a comment. I said, gee, you know, I, I, I know I'm late for practice. I said, I hope they let me into practice. So Jim said to me, don't worry, they're going to let you in. I'm going to tell them to let you in. So sure enough, um, I go to the media workroom and I put my stuff down. I didn't even unpack. I just threw my stuff at my my cubicle, ran back out to the uh, Giants outdoor practice field, which is where they were practicing. And, you know, they had a, a security person standing there. And sure enough, the security person says to me, are you Patricia? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, Coach Fossil said you were coming. Go ahead in. Hurry. So sure enough, I rushed into the practice field. It wasn't that far to go once I got past the security person, but uh, Jim Fossil had kept his word and he could not have been nicer. You know, he was he was a very pleasant man, um, very good with the media. You know, he had his moments just like everybody else does. But, um, you know, who, who could ever forget the famous, I'm pushing my chips to the middle of the table, um, pep talk that he kind of gave without planning it, I understand. But he was just such a nice man. And, you know, I, I just remember in the last year, 2003, when things started falling off the, the, uh, the, the wheels started falling off the train for him. And, he, it, it, that was one of the weirdest years that I've ever covered that team and that Jim actually, I think, resigned before he, the Giants could fire him. I think he knew they, that he was going to get fired and he resigned. And, um, you know, again, always so helpful to the media. The last head coach, like I said, who would allow the media to come in and watch the entire practice during the season. That's just not done in the NFL at all anymore. But Jim did it. Um, and then, of course, he went on to the Baltimore Ravens uh, as a consultant, and I think he was an offensive coordinator for them for a little bit. And then he went to the USFL, I think, or the AFL, one of those leagues, and that was it. And, of course, Jim's son, John, went on to become a very successful special teams coordinator in the NFL, worked with the Los Angeles Rams. I think currently he's with the Dallas Cowboys. Just the, the whole family um, I, I can't say enough good things about them. You know, I had a chance to meet Jim and his wife, Kitty, um, at a function. And they were just so gracious and just, you know, they they really took time to get to know a person. It wasn't just, you know, oh, hi, how are you? And then they moved on to the next person. They were just very gracious people. And, um, you know, I, I can't begin to imagine what the Fossil family is going through, you know, losing a loved one. 
is never easy. I know I lost my dad a couple of years ago and I know what that's like, but you know, when, when, when it's fresh like that, it's, it, it really hurts. And certainly my deepest condolences to the fossil family, um, to, to Kitty, to the kids. Um, hopefully they find peace and comfort in knowing that, you know, Jim is not suffering. Um, he's not in any pain and, you know, he's in a better place. And now they have a guardian angel who will, who will no doubt be looking down upon them and, you know, and condolences to the Giants organization, because as the late Wellington Mara always used to like to say, you know, you're either an active giant or an inactive giant. And, you know, once a giant, always a giant. And, and uh, Jim Fossil, even though, you know, things didn't end the way you would have liked them to have ended it for him, um, you know, and that he resigned. Um, he was a big part of Giants history, and he had some great teams there in the beginning, and including that Super Bowl team, which just made that incredible run. Too bad they couldn't finish off the Ravens, but hey, they got there, which is saying a lot for that team and how gritty they were and how they responded to Jim. And, and um, so anyway, my condolences to the Fossil family, to the Giant family, and um, Jim, thank you for being kind to to me at the time. You know, you, you didn't know me from a hole in the wall. Back then, women reporters weren't really, you know, the norm, but he, like I said, he could not have been more gracious, and I appreciate that. So, so uh, folks, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. I wanted to share that with everybody. I promised I would share some a memory of Jim Fossil, and that's one that, that definitely comes to mind. And I appreciate you letting me get that off my chest and open the show with that memory. All right, Giant fans, we're going to talk about highlights and observations from day one of the New York Giants mandatory minicamp in just a moment. But first... Did you know that 85% of the people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time, giving you very little chance of success. Well, introducing Stat Hero, it's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head -head fantasy matchup. You name the stakes and the winner takes all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You are in total control and Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be. One-on-one. -on -one. Play Stat Hero now and change your odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. That's right, they're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. When you go to stathero.com slash locked on. Again, that's stathero.com locked on. Hey, Giant fans, let me take a minute to tell you about Bilt Bar. They have nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor, which right now is their Grasshopper Mint. Really good. One of my favorites currently running from Bilt Bar. When you eat a delicious Bilt Bar, it's like eating a candy bar minus the guilt, as most of their milk chocolate cover bars have about 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and about four grams of sugar. Indulging on a low-carb, low-sugar treat never tasted so good. And right now, when you order at BuiltBar.com, 
you can save 15% when you use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, I promised you that we would talk a little mandatory mini camp. So let us turn the page and let's go to that. And um, the first thing I've got to talk about, first, first, actually, let me set the stage for you about this mini camp. No pads, no contact. The camp wasn't run like past mini camps. And by that, I mean, it was kind of like a, a, a up-tempo walkthrough. So you didn't really have, you know, for example, when you had offense versus defense, you didn't really have the defense trying to break up plays. It was just pretty much going through the motions, just making sure you got the moves right. It's kind of like watching uh, somebody being choreographed, you know, go through the motions and before you, you actually do the dance to the music, show that you know the dance moves and then worry about you know, doing them to music. And that's exactly what happened um, in this particular workout. And that's how it's going to be. You know, that's how Joe Judge has uh, has set things up for this particular mini camp. It's all about communication, timing, and so forth. The um, Everybody, as far as I know, was there. Now, not everybody was on the field. There were some guys like John Ross, uh, Ryan Anderson. I believe those guys were accounted for uh, John Ross, I believe, was on the premises, but inside. I don't know if there was an injury involved there, but um, I did remember seeing Albert Breer of SI.com put out a story saying that, you know, the last week there were some guys on the Giants who had stomach ailments. So who knows? Maybe there's a bug fly- floating around the locker room, and maybe some guys just weren't feeling well. So we'll see if some of these guys who weren't there out on the field um, during Tuesday's practice, if they show up on the field for Wednesday's practice. One guy I've got to talk about, and I, and and this this is really starting to concern me a little bit. And maybe it shouldn't because it's June, but I gotta I gotta get this off my chest. So just indulge me here. Kadarius Tony was out on the practice field. You know he was he was running. Um, catching passes at one point he was he fielded some punts and I remember and I saw him chuck a ball a beautiful ball 50 yards down back to the the punting group um that ball was thrown on a rope and I was like yeah they're going to definitely take advantage of that skill set of his um but then towards the end of practice I want to say with about 20 minutes to go Tony had been slipping on the grass turf. And and you remember during the rookie minicamp, he had problems with his cleats, finding the right cleat size. And he actually went and practiced with just one shoe. Um, and then I, I think uh, he didn't finish the drills and whatnot. But anyway, in this practice on Tuesday, Tony slipped and I saw a trainer with him because he was kind of like down on his, uh, you know, kind of crouched down and with about 20 minutes or so to go, Tony walked off the field with one of the trainers. They went towards the field house to walk back to the locker room. Now, may, you know, I don't know if there was an injury involved. I don't know it, what happened. Maybe it's equipment. But for the love of God, get it together. You know, the contract signed. Enough with this. This kid, you know, and I know it's only been what three practices that have been open to the media. So for all I know, maybe, you know, the kid made it through other practices if he was actually there. 
but get it together, you know. I, I, I get it the first time, you know, the cleats didn't fit, and then they found him a proper fitting uh, pair of cleats, but, he, you know, he had blisters, I think, and wasn't able to run, and now he slipped and he, you know, wasn't able to finish up practice. These things are going to happen in games. You're going to slip on wet turf. You're going to slip on, on, you know, you're going to trip over your own feet or feet of other people. Just get it together. I, I mean, I, I don't get what's going on here. I, and, you know, again, I hope it's not a serious injury. I probably shouldn't be this hard on the kid. But at this point, after, you know, him sitting out, the OTAs, reportedly sitting out the OTAs, despite there being an injury waiver that he, uh, or injury participation waiver, I should say, that all players sign before they they sign their rookie contracts. What's going on here? You know, I was talking with uh, Ed Valentine, a big blue view who I had on the show yesterday. And I, I said, you know, I don't want to go there just yet because it's not fair to this kid. But I remember years ago when the Giants drafted William Joseph and how he was a holdout and he sh- finally showed up to training camp late. And when he showed up, I remember the story that uh, somebody telling me the story that he came in just before the Giants had a scrimmage game, I think, planned against the Jets that year. And William Joseph at the time said, well, do I have to practice tonight? I'm not saying that Kadarius Tony is like that. I haven't met him. I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to infer that he is William Joseph. But what I am saying here is, you know, this is now what three times that the media has been admitted to the practices and something always seems to pop up and I get it if it happens once, but three times what's going on here now, hopefully on uh, Wednesday, he'll get through the entire practice and, and there won't be any issues. And look, I get it folks. You need him on the field for September. I get it, but y'all he's a rookie and you also need to find out Okay, what does he do well within the scope of your offense? What can he bring to that offense? And you're not going to find out if the kid isn't on the practice field. So that's all I'm saying. It's just a little frustrating to see him not make it through the entire practice and run the sprints and do all the conditioning and stuff that Joe Judge is putting the rest of the team through. So that's all I'm saying regarding that. Um, Another guy who left practice early was Kelvin Benjamin, who is trying to revive his career as a tight end. Now, I got to admit, I, I don't really understand why the Giants signed him. I think basically maybe they're just giving him an opportunity to put together fresh film for the rest of the NFL. I mean, I, I don't see him making this roster. I, I just don't. I'm sorry. But um, Kelvin Benjamin left the uh, the field early with a trainer. So something must have happened there. And you know, I, again, we were talking Ed Valentine and I, and I, I, I said, you know what? I would not be stunned if Kelvin Benjamin doesn't make it through training camp. I hope he does. You know, if he wants to come back, great. But I'm not very optimistic based on what I saw, not just with that, but just, you know, on the field, stuff that I saw on the field during the practice. So, and then one other quick note um, before I get into the to the football stuff, which I'm sure you're all waiting for. Uh, Burton Burns, the Giants running backs coach, had a scare at one point during the practice. I mean, Tuesday was a really, really humid day. I think the temperatures were about 90, but with the humidity, it made it feel closer to 100. And it was just a bad day. I mean, I hate days like that when it's so humid out. 
Anyway, Burton Burns, who's 68 years old, um, had heat exhaustion and he was treated on the field before being put on a golf cart and brought back to, you know, the facility where it was air conditioned and where he could get an IV and whatever fluids and treatments that were necessary. And, you know, the Giants did tell us that he's going to be okay, which is good news, obviously. But just a reminder to everybody, obviously, if you're going to be out in this hot, humid weather that we're having here in the Northeast or wherever you might be, if you're having hot, humid weather, it is so important to hydrate. And this is coming from somebody who is bad at hydrating. Um, I myself got a little dehydrated today, but, uh, you know, thank God I had some water with me and I did, you know, I did drain the water bottle on the way home. So, all right, let me get into a few um, football related stuff. Kenny Galladay. All right. So this was my first look at Kenny Galladay with the offense. And I got to tell you, I like what I saw from Kenny Galladay. You know, this is a guy who, you know, $72 million, four-year contract, and you figure, okay, he's going to be, you know, the, the king bee, so to speak. And there was Kenny Galladay. Not only was he clicking with Daniel Jones on pass attempts, I mean, they, the two of them look like they have been throwing to each other, playing catch, I should say, for a long time. But the thing that I really liked that I saw from Kenny Galladay is at one point, he peeled off from where the wide receivers were working as a group, and he went over to catch passes from all three quarterbacks. Um, I, I saw, you know, Glennon, Jones, uh, Clayton Thorson. So, so there was... Um, Kenny Galladay catching passes. So what I'm getting at is every opportunity he got to do extra work with Daniel Jones, whether it just be standing there and catching the ball or, you know, running a light route, whether it be a slant or a fade or whatever, Galladay was taking advantage of it. And that's only going to help the two of them when we get down to the games. And, you know, Galladay and Jones both spoke about that. They spoke about the chemistry they're developing. It's still in the early stages, but it is coming along. And I really like the attitude that Galladay has. He's, he's doing all the little things, you know, in an effort to fit in, to contribute. And, you know, any concerns people might have had about him being a prima donna or having a bad attitude. I mean, so far... It's early, yes, but I haven't seen any signs of it. And I like how Kenny Galladay fo is so focused on fitting in and who, how he, you know, he has his, he's humble. He's got his, his head down and he's there to work. And you can see that. And that was really, really encouraging to see because he is just so, so important for that Giants offense and just, you know, good for him. Good for him for, for doing that. All right, Giant fans. We have a lot more still to talk about. I have some more observations that I'm going to share with you. Uh, but first, let me talk, talk to rockauto.com, a family-owned business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Rockauto.com offers an extensive selection of auto and body parts for dozens of auto manufacturers, makes and models, all at competitive prices. Get what you need for your car or truck delivered straight to your door from rockauto.com. And be sure to write in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. 
rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, Giant fans, you've got the Locked on Giants podcast with Patricia Trana, and we're recapping day one of the mandatory minicamp. Not a whole lot in terms of, you know, super plays or anything like that or or lineups. I mean, the lineups basically have been the same as what's been reported with the offensive line. I know um, it was reported that the starting line had Will Hernandez at right guard, Matt Parrott at right tackle. But I will make this up, you know, I'll make this comment because this is something I noticed with the offensive line, which is a unit I wanted to watch in this practice. Um, when you look at the offensive line, especially when it's got new parts to it, new new players to it, sometimes that line doesn't move in unison. So when the ball is snapped, for example, um, you'll see some guys will, will be a little quicker. Some guys might might be a split second or two hesitant. Um, I was watching the offensive line for several plays on one particular uh, sequence of drills. And I, and I remember writing down in my notebook, matter of fact, I have my notebook here. I wrote down moving like choreographed dancers. In other words, I, I didn't see any hesitation from any of the guys. It's like, okay, if they all had to jump up and block on a slant, they all up, boom, hit their target almost, in, you know, in unison. And that was pretty impressive because again, with an offensive line, sometimes it could take some time to, to bring all that together and get those guys on the same page and whatnot. And I, I know there's still a lot of work to be done with that unit, but I really liked what I saw from them in their, their individual drills, how they just moved in unison. Um, now, they didn't do anything too complex. You didn't see like poles and, and stuff like that. But, you know, another drill I saw from them is they got out to the second level. And it was almost like they t- took uh, the step in unison. So it just looks like from, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like new offensive line coach Rob Sale has those guys, whatever he's teaching them, they are quickly landing on the same page. And that's going to really help the Giants because the last thing you you want to see is you don't want to see um, half the offensive line moving on on. You know, as soon as the ball is snapped and then the other half is like, oh, damn, I got to get moving here, you know, to where there's that split second of hesitation. And that split second could mean the difference between a sack versus, you know, the quarterback having enough time to complete a pass. So that was definitely something that I took note of and was happy to see. Um, All right. Moving on a few other things. Evan Ingram, to my knowledge, he hasn't dropped the pass in any of the practices that have been open to the media. Now, disclaimer here, there has been no live defense. In other words, everything's been done at a walkthrough pace. It's kind of like run the route, turn, catch the ball, stop, and that's it. So there has not been any threat, so to speak, of getting hit by a defender. All right, but that said, here's the positive takeaway. What the Giants are trying to do with Evan Ingram, who, as we all know, had a case of the dropsies last year, is they are trying to build up some confidence in him. Because, look, we all know that Jason Garrett likes to run those short Y-stick option routes with the tight ends. That is not 
an Evan Ingram strength. He is the type of guy that you have to send in motion and hit him in stride. You can't have him stop, turn around, come back for the ball, and then, you know, move onward. Because in watching Ingram's film, and if you go over to um, Giants Country, by the way, we we have this, uh, Nick Filato did a, a good, great, and ugly on Evan Ingram's game, and this is covered. But if you watch his film, there's almost like he's taking his eye off the ball for a split second when he has to stop, turn around, and come back to the ball. So by taking his eye off the ball to see where the defender is, now he's not looking it all the way in, and guess what? He's dropping the pass. So that's why, you know, it's good that the Giants are maybe working on that with him to get him confident and, and okay, Evan, let's get into a cadence here. Stop, catch the ball, then look. You know, speed things up a little bit to where, you know, maybe some of those concentration drops are eliminated from his game because Lord knows they killed the Giants several times last year and uh, they just can't have that. They just cannot have those concentration drops if they want to win games. So that was a, a positive development, I thought. Okay, um, what else can I tell you? Um, defensively, let's talk about the defense. Now, the defensive backs were all um, on the field. I don't think there was anybody missing. Um, remember, the defensive backs had been away. They had been working down in Florida. Logan Ryan by the way, the more I hear from Logan Ryan, the more I love this guy. I mean, he's just so in tune, so he, he's just a godsend. He really is. You know, he, he just, he reminds me a lot of Antrell role. Antrell was a little bit more outspoken and brash, but Logan is, is cut from the same cloth, a leader, a guy who, you know, has his own way of pushing his teammates buttons and uniting them and, and getting them on the right track. And, and Logan just does such a good job of that. I'm really, really impressed by this young man. So um, the Giants defensive backs, they were out there on the field and they brought a lot of energy. As a matter of fact, I thought they were the most energetic group out of all the position units out there on the field. And that's good because, you know, this is a group, you know, they're hungry. This is a group who are very much part of the pass rush. You know, if they're covering the, the opposing receivers and tight ends and not giving the opposing quarterback any place to go with the ball, that's great. That's what you want to see because that helps the pass rush up front. Um, so a lot of good things there. You know, Jabril Peppers, I thought, stood out with his energy. He's really a little fireball. I love watching Jabril Peppers. And Gosh, I wish they would re-sign him, but I don't know, man. I don't know if they're going to re-sign him. Um, certainly not this year, but we'll see for next year. But um, So, yeah, Jabril Peppers was was out on the field. Um, we saw Sam Beal. He was out there as well. I think this was the first practice that Sam Beal has been on the field for for uh, head coach Joe Judge and his staff. So nice to see Sam Beal put out put in a, an appearance. Aaron Robinson was out there. And, you know, the guys that – you know, or the takeaways I should say that that I came with is the Giants added some size to their defensive backfield. Aaron Robinson's a big dude. You know, I mentioned, um, you know, Jabril Peppers is not really you know tall, tall, but James Bradbury's a big dude. Um, they have some size, that, and they have guys who can hit. Now, uh, again, there was no hitting in this camp, but. They just have that energy that you just know they're waiting to pop off. And 
I think watching this Giants defense and backfield is going to be a lot of fun this year. You're you're going to see some good things from them. If they stay healthy, you are going to see a lot of good things from this defensive backfield in terms of their coverage. And I just want to mention one last thing about Logan Ryan. Um, He revealed that he reached out to um, Antrell Roll and Jason Seahorn, Corey Webster, all great giant defensive backs of, of yesteryear. And basically his message to them was, how can I be great like you? How can I be a better leader, a better player? And kudos to to Logan Ryan for doing that. I mean, that this is a guy who was pretty damn good last year. I think we can all agree on that, that he was really, really good. But with that said, that wasn't good enough for him. And that he's not sitting on his and resting on his laurels, that he wants to honor the, the tradition and the history of the Giants organization. And in particular, the great defensive backs that they've had. I mean, again, I just cannot say enough good things about Logan Ryan. You know, just, just a tremendous, tremendous individual. All right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Giants. And don't forget, um, if you guys want to do a mailbag, send me some questions. I know a few of you have already sent in some questions, and we'll get them on the show. But uh, right now, the plan, obviously, is we will have another wrap-up on day two, uh, which is today. Today is uh, day two of the mandatory minicamp. So I will get that show recorded as quickly as I can after the practice. And um, then we'll have day three. That'll be on Thursday. And that will be the last, I think that's the last thing on the Giants calendar as far as media access, at least until the start of training camp. So we will um, bring you all that. And then let's see if we can't do a mailbag or something for Friday. Wouldn't that be cool? Or, or maybe, you know, to kick off next week. So get your questions into me, send them to Locked on Giants podcast at gmail.com. And we'll do a mailbag because don't forget next week, we're going to go to our summer schedule where we're having shows three days a week instead of five days a week, since it is finally our off season and some downtime. So, all right, JM fans, that's going to do it. I will talk to you again tomorrow. Have a great one.